I start at page 31. Instruments of struggle, no compulsion. How can a religion claim itself to be universal, international, or global, and yet no cause frictions, and yet not cause frictions? No religion with a universal message and global ambitions to unite mankind under one flag can even momentarily entertain the idea of employing force to spread its message. Swords can win territories, but not hearts. Force can bend heads, but not minds. Islam does not permit the use of force as an instrument for the spread of its message. It declares, La ikraha fi din qad tabayyana rushdu min al there should be no compulsion in religion. Surely, right has become distinct from wrong. So, there is no need for any coercion. Leave it to man to determine where the truth belongs. Addressing the Holy Founder وسلم, of Islam, God clearly warns him of entertaining any idea of force in an attempt to reform society. His status as reformer is made very clear in the following verse. فَذَكِّرْ إِنَّمَا أَنْتَ مُذَكِّرْ Admonish, therefore, for thou art but an admonisher. Thou hast no authority to compel them. Further developing the same theme, Prophet Muhammad وسلم, is reminded, فَإِنْ أَعْرَضُوا فَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ عَلَيْهِمْ حَفِيظًا إِنْ عَلَيْكَ إِلَّا الْبَلَاغُ But if they turn away, we have not sent thee as a guardian over them. Thy duty is only to convey the message. Leave it to God to make the message effective. Even if a struggle develops in the process of the propagation of the new ideology and violent reaction ensues, then Islam strongly exhorts its adherents to show patience and perseverance and avoid conflicts as much as possible. This is why wherever a Muslim is admonished to deliver the message of Islam to the world at large, a clear-cut code of conduct is laid out for him. Out of many verses related to this subject, we quote the following few verses to illustrate the point. Call unto the way of thy Lord with wisdom and goodly exhortation and argue with them in a way that is best. Surely, thy Lord knows best who has strayed from his way, and he also knows who are rightly guided. And, إِدْفَعْ بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنُ السَّيِّئَةِ نَحْنُ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا يَصِفُونَ Repel evil with that which is best. We know very well what they allege. Here, أَحْسَن means the best, most attractive, and something beautiful. Describing a code of conduct under which the believers deliver the message, the Holy Quran has the following comments. Wal'asr Inna al-insana lafi khusrin Illa al-lazina amanu wa amilu salihati wa tawasaw bilhaqi wa tawasaw bilsabr We call to witness that age when man as a whole would be in a state of loss, except those who believe and do righteous deeds and deliver truth in a manner that is also truthful. They exhort patience while they themselves exercise patience. Again, ثُمَّ كَانَ مِنَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالصَّبْرِ 
Then he should have been of those who believe and exhort one another to exercise patience while they do the same themselves and they exhort one another to be considerate and merciful to others while they themselves are considerate and merciful. Survival of the fittest According to the Holy Quran, the survival and ultimate victory of a message depends entirely upon the potency of his arguments and not on the material force it can employ. The Holy Quran is very clear and specific on this subject. It declares that even if the most powerful forces are employed to annihilate truth and support falsehood, such efforts would invariably be defeated and frustrated. Reason will always prevail over the crude force of material weapons. For instance, it is stated in the Holy Quran, But those who knew for certain that they would one day meet Allah said, How many a small party has triumphed over a large party by Allah's command? And Allah is with the steadfast. The concept of the supremacy of Islam has to be understood in the context of the aforementioned divine command. In another part of the verse of the Holy Quran, it is stated, Allah is well pleased with them and they are well pleased with him. They are Allah's party. Take note, it is Allah's party who will prosper. During the Battle of Badr, the first battle in the history of Islam, the might of Meccan idolaters was pitched against a small number of Muslims, overwhelmingly outnumbered, outclassed in weaponry and equipment, and forced to fight a defensive battle for their preservation of their ideology rather than for their personal survival. Commenting upon this, the Holy Quran declares, لِيَهْلِكَ مَنْ هَلَكَ عَنْ بَيِّنَةٍ وَيَحْيَا مَنْ حَيَّ عَنْ بَيِّنَةٍ وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَسَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ So, let him perish who is condemned to perish by the verdict of manifest logic, and let him survive who is worthy of survival by virtue of manifest logic. This is the everlasting principle which has played the most important role in the evolution of man. Survival of the fittest is the essence of this message that, in fact, is the methodology of the evolution of life. Freedom of Speech Freedom of speech and expression is vital to the spread of a message as well as to restore the dignity of man. No religion is worthy of any consideration unless it addresses itself to the restoration and protection of human dignity. In view of what has passed, it should become apparent that it is impossible for a religion like Islam to deny freedom of speech and expression. On the contrary, Islam upholds this principle in such a manner that, in such a manner and with such boldness as is seldom witnessed in any other ideology or religion in the world. For instance, the Holy Quran declares, وَقَالُوا لَنْ يَدْخُلَ الْجَنَّةَ إِلَّا مَنْ كَانَ هُودًا أَوْ نَصَارًا تِلْكَ أَمَانِيُّهُمْ قُلْ هَاتُوا بُرْهَانَكُمْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ They say, None shall ever enter heaven unless he be a Jew or a Christian. These are their vain desires. Say, produce your proof if you are truthful. 
again amittakhadhu min dunihi ilaha amittakhadhu min dunihi alihatan qul hatu burhanakum hadha dhikru man ma'iya wa dhikru man qabli bal aktharuhum la ya'lamuna alhaqqa fahum mu'ridun have they taken gods beside him say bring forth your proof here is the book of those with me and those before me nay most of them know not the truth and so they turn away from it and wanazana min kulli ummatin shahidan faqulna hatu burhanakum fa'alimu anna alhaqqa lillahi wa dhalla anhum ma kanu yaftarun we shall draw from every people a witness and we shall say to them bring your proof then will they know that the truth belongs to allah and that which they used to forge will be lost unto them and am lakum sultanum mubin fatu bi kitabikum in kuntum sadiqin or have you a clear authority then provide your book if you are truthful liberty and emancipation in the context of the contemporary world liberty and emancipation are the two important slogans which are influencing the entire world with varying intensity and different connotations in different parts of the world there is no doubt whatsoever that man is gaining greater awareness and consciousness in the importance and value of liberty there is a pressing need felt everywhere in the world for emancipation but from what is it from the yoke of foreign rule dictatorship fascism theocratic or other regimes with totalitarian philosophies oppressive democracies and corrupt bureaucracies the economic stranglehold of the poor countries by the rich ignorance superstition or fetishism islam champions the cause of liberty from all these maladies but not in a manner as to cause disorder chaos and indiscriminate vengeance causing suffering to the innocent and god does not like disorder wallahu la yuhibbul fasad is the message of islam islam like every other religion emphasizes the role of balanced freedom in a spirit of give and take the concept of absolute freedom is hollow weird and unreal in the context of society sometimes the concept of freedom is so misconceived and misapplied that the beauty of the cherished principle of freedom of speech gets transformed into the ugliness of freedom to abuse hurl insults and to blaspheme blasphemy Islam goes one step further than any other religion in granting man the freedom of speech and expression. Blasphemy is condemned on moral and ethical grounds, no doubt, but no physical punishment is prescribed for blasphemy in Islam despite the commonly held view in the contemporary world. Having studied the Holy Quran extensively and repeatedly with deep concentration, I have failed to find a single verse which declares blasphemy to be a crime punishable by man although the holy quran very strongly discourages indecent behavior and indecent talk or the hurting of the sensitivity of others with or without rhyme or reason islam does not advocate the punishment of blasphemy in this world nor vests such authority in anyone 
blasphemy has been mentioned five times in the Holy Quran. 1. For instance, this subject is mentioned in generality. وَقَدْ نَزَّلَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي الْكِتَابِ أَنْ إِذَا سَمِعْتُمْ آيَاتِ اللَّهِ يُكْفَرُ بِهَا وَيُسْتَهْزَأُ بِهَا فَلَا تَقْعُدُوا مَعَهُمْ حَتَّى يَخُوضُوا فِي حَدِيثٍ غَيْرِهِ إِنَّكُمْ إِذَا مِثْلُهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ جَامِعُ الْمُنَافِقِينَ وَالْكَافِرِينَ فِي جَهَنَّمَ جَمِيعًا He has already revealed to you in the book that when you hear the signs of Allah being denied and mocked at, sit not with them until they engage in a talk other than that, for in that case you would be like them. Surely, Allah will assemble the hypocrites and the disbelievers in hell altogether. وَإِذَا رَأَيْتَ الَّذِينَ يَخُوضُونَ فِي آيَاتِنَا فَأَعْرِضْ عَنْهُمْ حَتَّى يَخُوضُوا فِي حَدِيثٍ غَيْرِهِ وَإِمَّا يُنْسِيَنَّكَ الشَّيْطَانُ فَلَا تَقْعُدْ بَعْدَ الذِّكْرَى مَعَ الْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ When thou seest those who engage in vain discourse concerning our signs, then turn thou away from them until they engage in a discourse other than that. And if Satan cause thee to forget, then sit not after recollection with the unjust people. What a beautiful response to the utter ugliness of blasphemy. Not only does Islam disallow any human being to take the punishment of the blasphemer into his or her own hands, but declares that people should register their protest against blasphemy by staging a walkout from an assembly of men where religious values are being mocked and ridiculed. Suggestions of any positive measures aside, not even a permanent boycott of the blasphemer is prescribed by the Holy Quran. On the contrary, the Holy Quran makes it amply clear that this boycott is only to last for the period during which the act of blasphemy is being committed. 2. Again, blasphemy is mentioned in Surah Al-An'am, where hypothetically, the question of blasphemy is discussed not only with regard to God, but also idols and imaginary objects of worship besides God. One is overwhelmed by the beauty of Quranic teachings when one reads, وَلَا تَسُبُّ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ فَيَسُبُّ اللَّهَ عَدْوًا بِغَيْرِ عِلْمٍ كَذَلِكَ زَيَّنَّا لِكُلِّ أُمَّةٍ عَمَلَهُمْ ثُمَّ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ مَرُجِعُهُمْ فَيُنَبِّئُهُمْ بِمَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Revile not those whom they call upon beside Allah, lest they, out of spite, revile Allah in their ignorance. Thus, unto every people have we caused their doing seem fair. Then unto their Lord is their return, and he will inform them what they used to do. It is the Muslims who are addressed in this verse. They are strictly prohibited from blaspheming the idols and imaginary gods of the idolaters. It is also pointed out that if one does so, others may, by way of retaliation, indulge in blasphemy against God. In this hypothetical discussion of blasphemy against God and idols on equal terms, no physical punishment is prescribed in either case. The moral of this teaching is rich in profound wisdom. If one commits a crime against someone's or other spiritual sensibilities, the aggrieved party has a right to pay back in the same coin regardless of the nature of his beliefs, and his being right or wrong, neither is, neither is permitted to retaliate in different terms. One can safely conclude from this that spiritual offense should be avenged by spiritual means, 
just as a physical offense is avenged by physical retaliation, but without transgression. 3. Blasphemy is mentioned in the Holy Quran in relation to Mary and Jesus for their disbelief and for their uttering against Mary a grievous calumny. This verse refers to the historical stance of the Jews contemporary to the time of Jesus Christ. According to this verse, the Jews committed a grave blasphemy by declaring Mary to be unchaste and alleging Jesus to be a child of questionable birth. The Arabic word, translated above as a grievous calumny, expresses condemnation of, of this folly on the part of the Jews in the strongest term. Yet, surprisingly, no physical punishment is prescribed. 4. It is interesting to note that, while the Jews are condemned by the Quran for committing an act of blasphemy against Mary and Jesus, at the same time, the Christians, in their turn, are censored for committing blasphemy against God by claiming that a son was born to God through a human wife. In the following verse, the Holy Quran declares it as an enormity. Yet no corporal punishment of any sort is advocated, nor is the right delegated to any human authority to punish blasphemy against God. No knowledge have they thereof, nor have their fathers. Monstrous is the word that comes out of their mouths. They speak not, but a lie. 5. In the end, let me come to the most sensitive area, more sensitive in the sense that the Muslims of today are more sensitive to blasphemy against the Holy Founder وسلم, of Islam than blasphemy against anything else, even God. Yet there is a case of blasphemy so serious that it is recorded in the Holy Quran itself, which speaks of Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul, known in the history of Islam as the chief of hypocrites. Once returning from an expedition, Abdullah bin Ubay declared in the company of others that the moment they returned to Medina, the noblest would expel the meanest among the Medinites. They say, if we return to Medina, the most exalted will surely drive out therefrom the most mean. While true honor belongs to Allah and to his messenger and the believers, but the hypocrites know not. Everyone understood the implied insult to the Holy Prophet ﷺ. They were seething with indignation and rage to the extent that, if permitted, they would have most certainly put Abdullah bin Ubay to the sword. It is reported authentically that tempests were running so high at this incident that no less a person than the son of Abdullah bin Ubay himself approached the Holy Founder ﷺ of Islam, seeking permission to kill his father with his own hands. The son argued that if anyone else did so, he might later on, in ignorance, entertain the thoughts of revenge against his father's killer. For centuries, the Arabs were accustomed to take revenge at even the smallest insult held at them or their close relative. Perhaps this custom was what the son had in mind. 
But the Holy Prophet وسلم, refused to grant his request, nor did he permit anyone else from among his companions to punish the hypocrite. Abdullah bin Ubay, in any manner whatsoever. Having returned to Medina after the expedition, Abdullah bin Ubay continued to live in peace. When he died at last, a natural death. Of course, to the surprise of everyone, the Holy Prophet ﷺ gave Abdullah's son his own shirt so that he could enshroud his father's body for burial, a singular act of blessing, indeed, which must have left the other companions yearning to batter it from the sun at the cost of all their possessions. Not only that, the Holy Prophet ﷺ decided to lead his funeral prayer. This decision must have deeply disturbed many of his companions who could never forgive Abdullah for the grievous offense mentioned above. Yet, it fell to the lot of Umar anhu, who later succeeded the Holy Prophet as the second caliph to give voice to their suppressed uneasiness. It is reported that, as the Holy Prophet was proceeding to the funeral, Umar anhu, suddenly stepped forward and stood in the way, begging the Prophet wasallam to change his decision. In doing so, Umar anhu, reminded the Prophet wasallam of the verse of the Holy Quran in which reference is made to some known hypocrite on whose behalf intercession would not be accepted even if the Holy Prophet wasallam prayed for him 70 times. Incidentally, the number 70 should not be taken too literally because... According to Arab usage, it was only employed to indicate a large number. However, the Holy Prophet ﷺ smiled and responded, Stand aside, Umar, I know better. If I know God would not forgive him, even if I seek forgiveness 70 times, I would seek forgiveness for him more than 70 times. The Holy Prophet ﷺ then led the funeral prayer. This is a fitting rebuttal to those who are crying themselves hoarse in demanding death for the blasphemer who dares to insult the Holy Father of Islam وسلم, and nothing but death. Such a religion must have a claim to establish interreligious peace in the world. I stop at page 43.